0: This is the ISSP Podcast. The International Society for Sports Psychiatry, or ISSP, aims to carry the science and practice of psychiatry to the athletic community. My co-host and I are all medical trainees between medical students and resident physicians who plan to specialize in psychiatry. And we host conversations around the intersection between mental health and sports. Welcome. Hey, this is the ISSP
1: podcast and we're the we explore the in, intersection between mental health and sports. And today we have a special amazing guest that we're excited to bring to you guys today. We have student Dr. Erica Ogumike and she currently is a aspiring doctor and attends the University of Texas Southwestern Medical School. So she's a doctor y'all. But prior to that, prior to getting to medicine, you might have saw her on your TV screens at the recent 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo. Erica started her basketball career at Cypress Woods High School where she scored 2227 career points. Yes, all this by herself and she also had 1141 rebounds and 440 steals. After leaving a solid legacy in high school, she continued her career at Pepperdine and played for their women's basketball team. She later transferred to Rice University and played for their women's basketball team as well. And her senior year, she was averaging about 19 points, averaging 10.3 rebounds and 2.7 assists, just straight killing it, right? So while playing basketball, she was also studying to become a physician. Upon graduation, she was the 26th overall draft pick in the 2020 WNBA draft and landed with the Minnesota Lynx. Later this year, Erica went to represent Nigeria at the women's national basketball team at the 2020 Tokyo Summer Olympics. Currently, you can find Erica behind a laptop and studying in an anatomy lab at Texas Southwestern, UT Southwestern, and she's currently interested in dermatology. Welcome, Erica.
2: Thank you. That was such a good intro.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we try, we try. So, uh, yeah, today we just wanted to get to know your experience and maybe get to know um you know about you know sports mental health um and your like maybe your journey you could tell us your
3: story so far
2: yeah I mean your intro was like pretty spot on with like my athletic journey um I grow grew up and I'm the youngest of four girls all my sisters play basketball so i kind of like had role models from a young age but we kind of were placed in basketball we didn't like love it at first they were just super tall so like we had they got kicked out of gymnastics so we had to find a new sport to do um so that's kind of how it went but like i like am very much i think the youngest sister like in all aspects and i think it really molds my personality Because I pretty much was like, okay, I'm just going to copy everything they did because look, they're thriving, you know. So that's kind of what I did. And I really just tried to like mold my career and path off of them. Um, But as you saw, like I soon realized like, okay, basketball is not forever, you know. Um, And I need to figure out what I like. And I realized, okay, I like science. I just liked the classes. I didn't really know much about being a doctor. I just liked the classes like science that you had to take the math, all that. I didn't like physics, but I was like, we can, we can, we can get by that. Um so yeah, so because of that, as you can see, like I copied my sisters a lot in what they did. They both went to Stanford to play basketball. I chose to go, I was like, okay, I need to go to an academic school, so pepperdine and then rice, but I also need to make sure I can give enough time to the pre-med aspects so i was like i need to be specific with the type of school i choose and rice was a perfect fit you know so like that was like a first instance like a uh, example of me you know following their footsteps but also having to be very like um detailed and calculative with what i do too so like that was my thought process of going to go rice and i was like You know, Rice, we weren't doing that well athletically, but I knew we could turn it around, which we did. So I really got the best out of both worlds when it came to athletics and academics. I mean, I had an amazing head coach that allowed me to go play a game, then go to a med school interview, take a late flight, and then I'd come back the day of the next game and play. And she just trusted me. And I was like, you're not going to find that at every single huge um like you know school you know because like the athletic programs are just that much they're just like they're massive you know um and rice really gave me that ability to do both and still compete at the highest level so i was really happy and then i was all of a sudden i just happened to realize it was in the texas medical center so i was like oh this is this is a plug. And it just worked out really well. I didn't even know that at first, but that's kind of how my journey happened. So I was able to really excel at the highest level athletically and prepare myself if I wanted to play in the WNBA or professionally like I did with Mm -hmm. Nigeria and also prepare myself to get into med school and like not have any downtime in between. So, um, I was really fortunate that I copied my sisters, but also realized like what I needed so it got me to where I am today you know without many hiccups fortunately
0: yeah yeah Eric I wonder if you could talk to us more about what it was like to balance that academic and athletic grind so um, you mentioned you know physically as you're um, going into medical school uh flying to different uh, medical interviews and then having to go to games what was that balance like for you
2: yeah It was hard. I always joke because my coach could always tell when I had an exam coming up because she was like, this girl is not in practice. Like her head is not in it. She could tell. She'd be like, you have an exam. I'm like, yeah. So like it was hard. People think like outside looking in, it was easy. But you like have to give 100 percent as you like in everything you do. But you're physically, mentally going to realize like, oh, you know, I've tried really hard in practice, but that was probably like 80%, you know? Um, So it's like, you have to give yourself grace. And that's what I think I learned really quick when I was in school. Like there'd be times when, okay, I took a test. I have two weeks of like nothing except for just going to class and doing small work. I was like, let me go hard and like, you know, stay after practice and get like a hundred extra free throws up, you know, and that balance I think allowed me to really excel in both instead of kind of just like being like, Hey, I'm on a full ride. Let me just go focus on school and get good grades. Cause like, it was not fun losing games. Um, so I had to figure out a way to do both. Um, so that's kind of how the grind worked for me. I think I just gave myself grace and realized, like, you're going to give your 100 percent, but it might not always be 100 percent, you know, but in the end, it should balance out. And that's kind of what works for me.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 Were there any aspects of basketball that you already found translate into um, you know i would assume a more intensive although i know kind of balancing pre-med and, and basketball must have been tough but any lessons you've learned from basketball that you take into into studying medicine so far
2: yeah i think honestly the the typical things that every athlete takes going into med school which is like your teammates come from everywhere like not just mm-hmm. in the u.s they come from international you know like transfer portal is crazy now you're getting kids from everywhere so you have to learn how to communicate in a way that caters to them you know it's not just like be able to communicate so having to do that every single day when i I was captain um was super important and it really trained me and then of course like the teamwork leadership time managing things all you practice it every single day Um, and you're so used to not having your own schedule that when you get to med school and you like still might not be able to have your own schedule it's not as big as an adjustment you're just extremely adaptable um it's still a different type of toughness i think because like you're so used to performing and exercising that like you enjoy it in a way so like but this way you're adapting is to like you have to fit in your exercise still which has really been like a big struggle in med school for me because like your exercise was given in college yeah. but now it's like Okay, this is your schedule for school. Like they don't even say anything about exercise, but like they were like, oh, mental health, you know, you should exercise, like walk around the neighborhood or something, you know? But it's not part of your schedule. So like I think that's been the hardest part because exercising has been like the main part of our schedule. Um, so it's been hard to adjust that, which is I don't know if I described that well, but yeah.
3: This is good. Um I was going to ask, like, curious how you felt balancing uh, your playing in undergrad, maybe you considered, maybe you didn't consider continuing on professionally um, after undergrad versus how you balance or able to balance training, preparing for the Olympics and, and medical school. If you see any similarities or, or differences, kind of tips and tricks that you've gained or learned.
2: Um. I would say training in med school was entirely harder than training in undergrad um, because I'm not and I'm a medical student when I'm in med school you know you're not there to be a student athlete that's not a thing in med school you're a medical student you know so like everything I was doing was an extracurricular Um, so it was really hard and then also in medicine you kind of find that it's easier to just fit in in the crowd sometimes instead of trying to look so different so i didn't really want to express that okay every day after class i go and do a basketball workout you know like oh but you're not studying oh you got a 80 something on this quiz dang maybe it's because you were working out you know like and you could have gone a 90 i'm like it's pass fail man but um (laughs) but like stuff like that i found it harder to you know Talk about what I was doing until it happened, because I just wanted to not look like I wasn't as interested in one as I was the other, but I actually was hyper focused and super interested in both, and it like allowed me to be super regimented in med school. Meanwhile, in college, you're a student athlete, so like professors know it, everybody knows it. Like you have this allotted time for practice. you have these classes you have to take, and it's very common. professors know how to work with student athletes. Um, So it was a little bit easier to balance. I think that it was a weird year that I got drafted. It was COVID year. So um, the opportunity was going to be to play in a bubble. So (laughs) a lot of my decisions were very different when it came to that COVID year. And also there was no training camp. So like my opportunities were super limited. So I think that definitely drastically changed my um, like um, decision of trying to play basketball professionally.
3: And you had talked about, like you gave yourself grace during undergrad, uh, If or correct me if it was during undergrad, but the, the yeah. praise of giving yourself grace and allowing yourself to know, like I did the best I could. I may not see the best results that I wanted, but I know I did I did the best that I could. Did you, were there any times where you felt it was more difficult to, to kind of give yourself grace? Did you have any trouble kind of accepting some of the results you were able to see um, come from your preparation?
2: Yeah, I think it was tough being at such an academically rigorous institution. And all my classmates around me are brilliant. Um, So it was so tough not to compare my scores to them. Um, And like, I never wanted to use, oh, I had practice for five hours as an excuse, because that's not an excuse. You're still a student as much as them, you know. But I think it was tough sometimes like physics like it's free that class I just don't like it at all and like just don't like it but I was struggling you know like it was hard it was the first time I've kind of like learned physics on that higher level I had a professor who I think almost won a Nobel Peace Prize like he's teaching it to the highest degree that you can teach physics and it was just such a learning curve for me that I think it was definitely frustrating and I tried to sell myself like okay you're doing your best you know give yourself grace but it's it's not it's not easy when you see everyone around you kind of thriving but also i think i found people that i could talk to in the class not just athletes but also other students that were like struggling too and it's kind of funny because you kind of like have this community in the struggle and you kind of all want to help each other and you know study together give each other the best resources so that helped a lot when i couldn't give myself grace i think having a community of people that kind of did it for me. Helped a lot.
1: Yeah, I, I had a quick, quick a question. Is like, so we usually see with athletes that you know when they're transitioning from being uh you know like at least seems like with you you're still doing some um, playing on teams, playing on sports, but transitioning from being an athlete, that sometimes you know there's a lot of transition issues, a lot of problems trying to like you know get into a new career. But it seems like you had some mentors. you had at least a plan what you know for those athletes maybe that are struggling, what are some things they could probably do or probably think about like planning to maybe make that transition better? Is it like having you know an idea for what you want to do after or having you know going to like some conferences or what what could they do you know?
2: yeah, I think when it comes to undergrad, um definitely just really try to figure out what is of your interest outside of sports and to not just think about it, but also attend things like um, I don't know if they have like student organizations like financial literacy organization if you're interested in that, you know, like try to actually go and meet people who are not around sports, because like there's so much more to the world than just sports. And I think it's very easy to be in your student athlete bubble in college. So that was something I would say for the undergrads because then you'll start to realize like how much more there is outside of sports and it'll force yourself to think a little bit more. Um and then in med school, um, I think I'm I'm transitioning into that now of like, you know, I'm not like an athlete or like a I'm not like competing, you know. So um I would say the best thing to do is to kind of it's weird, but like continue to exercise like you're an athlete if you can kind of helps because like you have that mindset still that allows you to um be at your best when it comes to like physically and i I don't know i think physical mental all of it is kind of combined a little bit so like stay exercising don't just completely transform into someone who doesn't exercise because that was a big part of your life Uh, and then also i think like you said going to conferences uh actually does help because it kind of shows you what profession you're interested in in a professional manner instead of just you thinking about it like oh i can watch this youtube video on how what dermatologists do you know but like you could like it's still not like as tangible as going to these conferences with other physicians there um and that has allowed me to like see this new community of people and visualize exactly what i want with my future so that those are two things that helps but it's definitely a tough transition
0: yeah, you know, I want to talk more about that transition because it sounds like you've made some discoveries about yourself as far as how you feel, how your mind works, how your emotions are in these different, I guess, levels of activity. Right? There's the um, as you're kind of actively competing, amount of physical activity and exercise, and then there's the I just want to sort of you know keep up with what I got the level that we're kind of at now. Um, what what have you noticed as far as that connection between exercise and and your emotions?
2: I like it's it's almost like too much of a connection like i think because i sit so long these past two years studying i like need the exercise for sure to like one keep you awake like boost endorphins like a bunch of things it's like very pivotal to me so i always prioritize it if that means i have to wake up at 4 a.m like i'll still do it because i know with my body that that helps but i know that's going to switch in clerkships i've already like done a rotation so I can see that like you might not have that chance to mm-hmm. you know work out like for two straight hours every single day. Mm-hmm. Um but I still I don't know I feel like it's if it's something you can do if you do enjoy it like like even just like walking, you know, walking on the treadmill while you're doing Anki cards or something. <laughs> I've noticed that it really does just center me to be honest. Wow. And it because it's something that you've done for so long. If you really didn't enjoy it, then okay, yeah, you can cut it cold turkey and you'll probably be fine. But I definitely think it's beneficial for everybody, not even just athletes. I think it's beneficial for like every single student, to be honest.
0: Did you ever notice any any changes on the other side? Maybe as you were exercising less, like you found yourself more kind of emotionally activated or in a worse mood or anything.
2: Yeah, I think when I exercised less, I definitely was in a worse mood, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very related to my emotions, I think. Um, But I also think in your brain, you have it triggered that you have to exercise. Mm -hmm. So it's also like a weird balance and kind of an addiction a little bit. And you have to. Like I talk about, give yourself grace on days that you can't. And I'm still trying to figure out how to do that because of how connected we've been to it for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I think, like, not a lot of people experience this side of it to where it's like they want to work out too much. It's usually the opposite, you know, but I'm having to learn the balance of both.
3: But I I think that aligns perfectly with you being um an elite level athlete there's there's only such a small percentage of people who can make it to compete and 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 participate on Olympic level teams right yeah so either from your own perspective or maybe seeing other teammates um that you that you train with and see compete this idea of being addicted to exercise is, is not really a a surprising notion to bring up um, I believe there's somewhere between you know eight to set, eight to ten percent of people who see exercise as something that's part of their life on a daily basis that could qualify as being um, addicted to to exercise um, in the similar way that people may be addicted to uh, uh, gambling or substance use or or any other thing, food that things may find um, addictive. It, it kind of triggers those same um, sort of uh, neurotransmitters receptors in their brain, mm-hmm. provides a level of, of feedback to them, the same level of enjoyment. Um, so in you bringing that up, did you ever feel Or did you ever have someone tell you uh, that you had some um, addictive tendencies related to exercise or maybe thought you saw that in some of your teammates?
2: Um, I don't think they would say, like, addictive, but I think you can kind of, like, put two and two together because they'd be like, Erica, why are you always doing extra conditioning after practice? Or, like, my sister would be like, one of my, I have three sisters, and one of them would be like, like, you know, like now that you're done, you don't have to work out like you're going to practice every single day, you know, so like they're not saying you're addicted, but they're also like you are on ex- an extreme level, you know, mm-hmm. but I also have the other hand where I'm watching my sisters who, especially my oldest sister Neka plays for the LA Sparks. Who I've never seen anyone who has this regimented schedule like her, no matter where she is, any type of appearance she has, like she has a schedule for her workouts. She has a trainer, she knows exactly what she does. And um watching her, I also realized like maybe what I'm doing isn't that crazy. But uh, <laughs> at the same time, it's like I'm watching this girl who's like dude, WNBA MVP, like literally Hall of Famer, you know? So like, are my standards just crazy? Um But yeah, I definitely think people have said it to me before because I don't think it's normal. Um, It's
3: a fine line, right? Yeah. Yeah. Line between and and whatever you have as your reference point is kind of what you judge. Mm People, you know, a high school level or or maybe throughout college versus seeing people who are professional players, MVP levers, Olympic level players. It's it's a difference, right? So you don't necessarily.
2: I know. Yeah, I'm starting to realize that now. Being around more people um like just in medical school that it's not very normal what i do um (laughs) so i'm trying to like uh, balance it
0: yeah a good good rule of thumb with addiction because addiction's contextual right and and um you don't want necessarily something that could could be helpful right or something that that in context is appropriate to be considered one you know a good rule of thumb would be is this thing that i'm talking about right whether it be exercise or gambling or some of these other addictions that are more common um are they leading to poor outcomes and now that i know that they're leading to poor outcomes am i still kind of participating in them am i still do i have have a hard time maybe doing less right um have i been told that i I need to do less and and i and i can't those are once you as a kind of like a general rule of thumb right there are you know more kind of uh delineated pointed out uh symptoms towards an addiction but it you is know, a general rule thumb right is, is this like harming me in some way and now that i know that i'm harming me is it hard for me to stop or yeah. is it hard for me to cut back right that that's kind of when you get more into the actual clinical definition of addiction land
2: that's actually interesting that you say that because i didn't know the clinical definition of it but it makes complete sense um because there would be times where it's like okay i'm an exam on friday I need to study the entire day, you know? Mm -hmm. And if I can't get a workout in like, I'm okay with that because I know, okay, what if I worked out for two hours and then I over here fail an exam or get a super low grade on an exam? Like that's the kind of like the negative outcomes that I can see Where (laughs) it's like, you really just couldn't work out for one day. And I don't think I've gotten that far gone because I've had to make that decision multiple times, but -hmm. it's interesting to say that because I've had that thought process in my head, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's real interesting because also, because like I'm just reading about exercise addictions, the real difference is like the ability to, you know, because there's a lot of benefits, like you're saying, the endorphins exercise is amazing. Like energy, you know, mood, it's like one of the best antidepressants. Right. Mm-hmm. and then you know and you're also we're talking about a small minority of world athletes that will probably deal with this or but we I've like I actually had a patient so the thing with her was she she had you know she was always a chronic exerciser exercise every day go through runs and she was on the rowing team and then um you know it looked like the the issue that ended up happening with her was like her she had a parent that passed away and then kind of started isolating and started you know exercising every day daily right and you know it's like a healthy thing it would help her it actually helped with her anxiety and like feeling depressed um by her parent passing away but then also we started noticing that like you know she wasn't you know um she was skipping out like lunchtime to eat you know mm-hmm. she, she was uh she was like you know you're probably going to learn about anorexia like but like mm-hmm. she was having some low bmi or like low body weight yeah. having some um Symptoms where she was actually like, you know, um, in deficit for nutritional deficit. So that's when we're like, okay, now this is kind of caught into an issue. We need to figure out what the underlying issue was was her her parent passing away and like, you know, kind of work on the other things I mm-hmm. can help her. Um, but yeah, that. But then it's like such a fine line too because we didn't even catch that until later on. We started asking her more questions and we realized, oh, part of the reason it's not that she's not eating too much is that she's exercising significantly every day you know, because of this underlying issue. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting, but it's like a slippery slope because it's really good for you, you know, like mm-hmm. she probably would have got worse shape if she didn't have to exercise so much, so.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. But yeah um,
1: looks like, you know, thank you, Erica. I mean, this has been a great talk. I don't know if we have any more questions for, for our busy athlete doctor today
0: um I, i'd be interested in actually hearing about um what, what your experiences are and what maybe leads you thinking to dermatology or any other, any other specialties and, and maybe how your athletic career if at all has influenced that
2: yeah i know it's a very unique specialty i think with my background um i didn't really know much about dermatology um going into med school no one in my family is a doctor or even like a nurse or anything like that so i kind of went in with it open book and they through SMA they gave me a mentor who is a dermatologist so I kind of like was like okay what's his specialty and like we we'll talked to him but after going through the course first off they we get this two weeks of dermatology and pre-clerkship so like you don't learn a crazy bunch about it but I was just seeing how you literally can visualize so much when it comes to dermatology and I realized that uh i'm a super visual person and i think mm-hmm. i visualize a lot of my problems and i visualize i i visualize when i problem solve too so mm-hmm. it was that type of connection that was like immediate to me compared to like something like nephrology where it's like i need to run the labs i need to mm-hmm. run, like it was like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i was trying to kind of like cut all that out and i was like okay this is what i'm good at you know Um, so after that, I found out how competitive this specialty was. So I had to just start like learning more about it, doing research and yada, yada. And I'm still learning as I go. Um, and I've always, of course, you know, the typical dermatologist is interested in like the skin, skin Mm -hmm. skincare, um, skin of color is super Mm -hmm. important and I'm learning way more about it. Um, and I've done a lot of projects on health disparities in medical education. So, I've mm-hmm. just seen where there's so much work that can be done in this field. Um, so that's kind of where I've been at. You know, I'm not like 100% certain because I need to go through most of my rotations still. But yep. uh, I definitely am gravitating towards it right now.
0: Well, that, that's really awesome. And we're definitely looking forward to having more people with your interests and who look like you with your background in the field. I'm sure you're going to help a lot of people out here really soon. Thanks. <laughs> um all right well um we definitely appreciate your time erica uh, we're really inspired by your journey um you, you definitely uh the definition of a, of a student athlete elite basketball player on the olympics and, and now future dermatologist or other especially to be um and we really appreciate you um if, if there's anything that you want to shout out or if people want to reach out to you and learn more about your story um any any advice for them as far as reaching out to you
2: Um, I mean, first off, thank y'all for inviting me. Like, this is a great platform with a great mission. I think Um, it's super interesting and super unique. So a lot of people I think can learn a lot from this type of um, podcast. Um, And reaching out to me wise, I'm pretty an open book on most social medias. Um, I have an Instagram, I have a YouTube channel, I have a TikTok. So um, I usually just try to like post things to where people can like see what I'm doing in med school, see what I'm doing, like when I work out, just so like they can visualize it, because there is a handful of student athletes in medicine Mm -hmm. that kind of just want to see that it's possible, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of, I just try to be an example of that, like I talked about, visualization is really big for me, Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, they can reach out on any of them, most of them are just my name, Ogle McKay. so.
0: Okay, we'll be sure to include that in all our bio and information, our Chiron too. Um, all right. Well, well. Thank you so much, Erica. We really appreciate having you. Um, again, uh, I'm sure a lot of people that are that are coming up, that are looking to to go to the school from 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 athletics to medical school, can look to you as a role model and, and follow your journey along the way. Um, so, look forward to uh, being a bridge to that. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good talk. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much for watching or listening to our content today please like and subscribe to our youtube and podcast channels and share this episode with your friends and colleagues also follow us at sports Psych issp on twitter and instagram or you can find us on facebook as the international society for sports psychiatry are you a medical student psychiatry resident fellow in a psychiatry subspecialty fellowship program or a psychiatrist who has completed a psychiatry residency program interested in learning more about sports psychiatry, join us and become a member of the ISSP. We have a free open source certificate of additional training in sports psychiatry program. For more information about our certification program, membership, or other inquiries, go to our website at sportspsychiatry.org.